Joe Biden informs 40 million black Americans that if they support our president, they ain't black. Is Joe Biden a racist? Is Joe Biden a rapist? Democratic representative Ilhan Omar says she believes the woman accusing Biden of sexual assault, but she's going to vote for Biden anyway. And President Trump accuses MSNBC's Joe Scarborough of murdering a staffer. Some heavy stuff to start the week. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. All right, you all heard the clip. Is Joe Biden a racist? Does the word racist even mean anything after 50 years of being totally abused by the political left? We will play the clip for you, and then we will play all of the many many excuses that the left is making for Joe because, you know, of course they are. Joe Biden is on this show with the radio character Charlemagne the God, and the interview is actually going fairly well. And then Joe Biden made this now infamous statement that if you do not know if you're going to vote for Trump or for Joe Biden, then you ain't black. I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. So listen to what he's saying. What he's saying is actually a little bit more radical even than what some people are suggesting. He's not saying that if you're a Republican and you're black, then you ain't black. He's not saying that if you're not going to vote for me, then you ain't black. It's actually even further than that. What he's saying is if you even have the slightest question as to whether or not you're going to vote for me, if if it even enters into your mind that it would be possible to vote for a Republican, then you ain't black. In order to be authentically black, according to Joe Biden, you have to be unconsciously democratic, unconsciously left-wing. Obviously, that is absurd. The, The craziest image of all, the most absurd image of all, is that Joe Biden, one of the whitest people that has ever walked the face of the earth, is now telling someone like Kanye West that he is not black. Telling someone like Tim Scott that he is not black. Telling someone like Alan West that he's not black, right? The list goes on and on. The left immediately started making excuses for him. Close your eyes. Imagine what the headlines would look like if a Republican had made a similar statement. Could you imagine? Right. It would be wall to wall coverage, outrageous. He has to resign. This this is like David Duke is running for president, right? That's, that's what you would have heard. But because it was Joe Biden, because it was a Democrat, here are the headlines, CNN. What Biden said was outrageous, but some say so was the reaction. Some say that, eh? <laughs> Who is some? Is some, is some the nickname of John Blake, CNN writer? That that seems to me very likely, or not even John Blake, the writer, but whoever the editor is that wrote that headline. This is something that the left always does when they get a, a bad series of headlines and they want to counter that narrative. They say, okay, here's the headline. Yeah, that's really bad. But some say it's not that bad. And then the some who say it are always just the left-wing journalists who are writing, writing the headlines. So that's CNN. You get from Vox. Do Joe Biden's you ain't black comments ultimately matter? No, of course not. If Joe were a Republican, they would matter a whole lot. But no, do they matter? No. Now, this is the Clinton strategy. The Vox Vox headline is what you would always see from the Clintons, which is 
that the Clintons would have some scandal and then they would just immediately tamp it down and say, this is old news. What do you mean it's old news? The scandal happened yesterday. No, it's old news. It happened yesterday. Today's today. It's not a big deal. Move on. The organization moveon.org, the very prominent left-wing organization, was founded to, to get the Clintons through the impeachment. And they said, well, look, we got to move on. This is old news. No big deal. Doesn't matter. Nothing to see here, folks. That's what Vox.com did. And then my favorite one came from the most ridiculous of all of those newspapers, the Washington Post. Democracy dies in darkness. This headline uh, on an article by Jonathan Capehart, come on, Biden's you ain't black comment was clearly a joke. What was the joke? (laughs) I saw some people on social media try to say this, that Joe Biden was joking. And so therefore it's not an offensive comment. What's the joke? Uh, look, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to give people grace if they're telling jokes. But what w- is the joke that black people have to vote for Democrats? Is that, I guess that's, the, that's what he's saying. The joke is black people can't think for themselves. The joke is black people need to vote the way that this white man tells them to vote. That, ha ha, isn't that the joke? Ha, look, it's clearly, yeah, I know. I, if that's the joke, I get the joke, but that's what is offensive. Right? So uh, it's... Uh, and not a joke. I mean, a joke requires a setup and a punchline. A joke requires some humor. That's not what Joe Biden was saying. Joe Biden's point was, was pretty blunt, which is that if you are black, you must vote for Democrats. And if you don't vote for a Democrat, you lose your blackness. That, th- and this is the kind of ideological point that they come to. Somehow, there is a difference between being racially black and being politically black. And the one that actually matters more is whether you are politically black, regardless of your skin color. This is the precise point that was made by a New York Times writer, not just any New York Times writer, a woman who just won the Pulitzer Prize for that 1619 project, that completely anti-historical trash that the New York Times is using to try to rewrite American history. This woman's name is Hannah Jones, and she said basically just what I just said. She said, quote, there is a difference between being politically black and being racially black. I am not defending anyone, but we all know this and should stop pretending that we don't. So she is defending him and it is a repulsive comment what she's saying. This is what ideologies do. This is, you know, I, I tried, I tried not to be too ideological on this show. I have a point of view. I have a vision of the world, but I try not to be ideological. And the difference is this, what ideologues do is they prioritize their ideas over reality. So when reality comes to contradict their ideas, they, they don't deny their ideas. They deny the reality. This is something you would hear as a kind of joke about ideologues. They'll say, who cares if it works in practice? Does it work in theory, right? It's all about prioritizing ideas over reality. When the two conflict, they go with their own theories. And this is where we see identity politics really delve into the realm of the absurd. The idea here is that if you are, say, Tim Scott, right, a Republican black senator, you are not really black, if you're Clarence Thomas, right, you're a conservative black jurist, you're not really black. I mean, sure, your skin is black, but blackness is something deeper than skin color. 
it is, according to the left, a political ideology. And so, so Bill Clinton, right, very much a white guy, is the first black president in certain colloquial understandings. Sarah Palin is not a woman. I once read, I kid you not, I read a gender studies paper, a published academic gender studies paper that denied that Sarah Palin is a woman because of her ideology, because her ideology is conservative or her, I guess her philosophy is conservative or her lack of ideology is her ideology, right? Uh, Rick Rennell, he is the acting DNI. He's a homosexual, but he's not really a homosexual. You see, according to the left, he can't possibly really be a homosexual because he is more conservative. He's not a leftist. For the, le- for the left, black is not a race. It is an ideology. Wo- woman is not a sex. It's an ideology. Gay is not a sexual preference. It is an ideology. So leftist men can attack Phyllis Schlafly, right? They can attack Ann Coulter. That's fine. It's actually feminist to physically attack those women because they're not really women. And if you attack them, then you're actually the real feminist. And Kanye isn't really black according to this ridiculous idea. You know, a lot of people came in and defended Joe Biden even more. Is it an effective strategy? Is Joe Biden really a racist? We'll get to that in a second. First though, I've got to thank our friends over at Eero. You know, it can be very frustrating when your Wi-Fi is being slow and taking forever to load. And maybe you've noticed that with a lot of people using the Wi-Fi these days, that tends to happen. Well, I've got a solution for you. Eero is Wi-Fi that your home deserves. It blankets your whole home with fast, reliable, Wi-Fi, not just inside, but outside too. Eero, it's, it's an amazing product. It extends uh, your Wi-Fi so that you can enjoy the nicer weather and get work done from your deck. Eero eliminates poor coverage, dead spots, and buffering. You'll have a consistently strong signal wherever you need it. Eero, this is my favorite part, by the way. Eero sets up in minutes. Even I can do it. If I can do it, I promise you can do it. Plugs right into your modem or modem router box, and you manage it from a dead simple app that lets you pause the Wi-Fi for dinner and gets alerts if any device attempts to join your network. It's just fabulous. Right now you get up to 20, 20% off an Eero Pro mesh Wi-Fi system. I love it. I love how easy it is to set up most of all. You can get your Wi-Fi fixed as soon as tomorrow. Go to Eero.com slash Knowles, enter code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S at checkout, get your free next day shipping with your order, E-E-R-O.com slash Knowles, code Knowles at checkout to get your Eero delivered with free next day shipping, but you got to use this URL to receive this offer, Eero.com slash Knowles, code Knowles. So I don't know if you remember Sheila Jackson Lee. She is a Democratic Congresswoman. Uh, not one of the most impressive members of the House of Representatives, but certainly one of the most entertaining. Uh, and Sheila Jackson Lee is a black woman, and she rushed to Joe, Def- Joe Biden's defense. I don't believe uh, anyone who saw that exchange would in any way suggest that anyone is blacker, blackest, or less black. Uh, that exchange was in jest, but on second thoughts, uh, it could have been Uh, spoken differently. But I think African-Americans are truly one of the most astute political groups in this nation. And they know what is best for them, their children, uh, their families, their elders. And as relates to the generational uh, divide, if you will, or the unity of such, those who are millennials are clearly astute. 
And what I would say to you is that that was not what the vice president said uh, in terms of uh, those words. What? What I would say to you is that is not what the vice president said using those words. What I would say to you is the words that you heard Joe Biden say, those are not the words that he actually said. Uh, I think they are. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we have the video and you can replay it. And that's what he said. Th she ends this really rambling, incoherent, non-argument at the very end with the point that she made at the beginning, which is don't believe your lion ears. He didn't really say that. She opens up, she goes, I don't think anybody was talking about how someone is more black or less black or not black. That's exactly what they were. That's exactly what Joe Biden was talking about and what he said. And we have the tape and he used those exact words. But her strategy, probably a smart strategy here, is just deny it, then say a bunch of words that don't have any meaning next to one another and then move on. Right. That's the that's the Vox.com strategy. It's the Clinton strategy. That's what Democrats do all the time. And it's an effective strategy. This whole thing is an effective strategy. You know, the, the line itself only occurred to Joe Biden because black Americans vote overwhelmingly for Democrats. So it's a sort of polite joke among the left, right? If you don't vote for Democrats, you're not really black. We're going to rescind your black card. Identity politics has worked very well. It's a very, very strong motivator. It has forged this reliable political voting block. It's not as though black people always voted for Democrats. Not as though they always voted for Republicans before that. There was a time at, at which the black vote was, was a little more divvied up. Now it's pretty solidly democratic because identity politics is pretty strong. If you're told what Joe Biden is telling them, which is that not only will you lose a policy or two if you don't vote with me, but you will lose your very identity. Then that's a pretty strong motivator to vote a certain way. And this comes alongside a long history of Joe Biden's stupid and offensive comments on race. I marched in the civil rights movement. I marched with tens of thousands of others. He had not actually marched during the civil rights movement and kept telling the story Anyway. I came out of the civil rights movement. I was one of those guys that sat in and marched and all that stuff. Now his aides went back to say, look, he was in office marching for the idea. That's not the word marching <laughs> me on Twitter. I was not out marching. They're going to put you all back in chains. <laughs> Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. <laughs> oh, that's the, one of all of the, the Biden comments on this stuff. I think the one that hits you the most is, hey, look, black kids are... Poor kids are just as talented as white kids. <laughs> what? You're, you are conflating a few things there. So is Joe Biden a racist? What does that even mean anymore? What does the word racist mean after the left has used it as just a synonym for people who disagree with us? As just a synonym for bad? As just a synonym for not a leftist? Does Joe Biden hate black people? No, I don't think he hates black people. Does Joe Biden make offensive comments about black people? Yes, he regularly makes offensive comments about black people. Do you remember when Obama ran the first time? He said, oh, the, the first articulate, clean, good-looking black candidate. That's a, that's a fairy tale, man. That's, that's almost verbatim what he said. You know, he, he makes these offensive comments a lot. Does Joe Biden take the black vote for granted? Yes. Does that make him a racist? I'll leave you to decide because the word has become very ambiguous. Here's what we do know. The left has spent 
the last eternity smearing everybody to the right of Hillary Clinton as a bigot. Okay. And so I'm less interested in the Joe Biden story per se. I'm more interested in how we react to it because the minute that the right does anything even close to the same, accuses our opponents of some kind of bigotry with a lot more evidence, by the way, we're told that's out of bounds. Only the left is allowed to do that. Not the right. The right has to shut up and take it. Time and time again, the left is allowed to fight with every single available tactic, and the right is supposed to tie one hand behind our back, at least. And Trump is rightly sick of this. So now Donald Trump is just coming out swinging. He's encouraging claims that people are racists, rapists, and even murderers. Should the right take the gloves off? I think the right absolutely should. We got to be careful not to go too far. There was a big attack that Trump leveled over the weekend. I think it's not necessarily in in the totally right direction, but it's pretty funny because it's going to make Joe Biden sweat. We'll get to that in one second though. First, I got to get to our friends at Keeps. You know, I do not want to go bald. I don't. It's not that everyone looks bad bald, but me, I think I would not look great. I derive at least 80% of my power from my hair and my little peanut head would not look particularly good without hair. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. The best way to prevent hair loss, do you know what it is? Do something about it while you still have hair left. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now you don't. Thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They make it very easy and they deliver your medication every three months. So you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits. But the the key here is prevention, right? You can prevent this sort of thing, but you got to take steps now because the treatments can take up to four to six months or more to see results. So you got to act fast. If you're ready to take action, prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Knowles to receive your first month of treatment for free. That is K-E-E-P-S.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. So I think the right should take the gloves off here. Absolutely. But we got to be careful not to make unforced errors and hurt ourselves. President Trump leveled this attack at Joe Biden over the weekend. Mass incarceration has put hundreds of thousands behind bars for minor offenses. Joe Biden wrote those laws. Every major crime bill that's come out of this Congress has had the name Joe Biden on that bill. We do everything but hang people for jaywalking in this bill. Joe Biden's policies destroyed millions of black lives. Joe Biden may not remember, but we do. So conservatives are against putting criminals in jail now? Is that the idea? Ah, I don't like this ad. I mean, it's in a way a devastating ad, right? Even down to the very last part where the ad says, Joe Biden may not remember, but we do because Joe Biden doesn't remember what he had for breakfast this morning. But the point of the ad, do we agree with that now? We, it's very conservative now to not throw criminals in prison. I don't think that's conservative. I, I think actually we should put more criminals in prison. I think we have too many criminals on the street. And that's what most conservatives thought until it was politically convenient to attack Joe Biden. Not, not a great way to attack him, I don't think. If it works tactically, fine. I understand there are tactical considerations here, but I think it's going to 
hurt us in the long term. Okay, we, we got to be careful not to, when we're leveling these attacks and taking the gloves off, let them come back and swing around and hit us again. We got to make sure that these attacks are clean and they don't back us into a corner. The left is really good at this. The left is really good at not necessarily taking a stand. The, what the left does is it just criticizes, right? It deconstructs. You always hear these kind of terms in the left-wing academy, deconstruction, criticism, critical theory. You just attack your opponent without taking a stand yourself. What I don't like about this ad is it backs us into this corner of saying we basically want to spring criminals from the clink. I don't want to spring criminals from the clink. I want to attack Joe Biden, but I don't want to put myself in a corner where I have to defend something that I I can't defend. A a good example of, uh, of a solid wild, crazy attack with the gloves off that doesn't back you into a corner is actually another one that Trump lodged over the weekend. Uh, This is one of his wildest attacks ever, and it was against Joe Scarborough over at MSNBC. President Trump tweets out this comment about Joe Scarborough. This was in response to a tweet that said, Trump calls for investigation into Joe Scarborough for the murder of a staffer in 2001. More on that in a moment. Trump tweets out, quote, a blow to her head, body found under his desk, left Congress suddenly, big topic of discussion in Florida. And he's a nut job with bad ratings. Keep digging. Use forensic geniuses. You madman, you are accusing your political opponent of murder. But it's a pretty clean attack, actually. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm defending the attack per se, but I'm defending the tactic here. Because Joe Scarborough every day goes out on television, even to the three people who watch it, and accuses Trump of all sorts of crazy things. And so now Trump is swinging back and saying, oh yeah, there's a lot of open questions about how you maybe murdered that staffer. I'm not saying that there's evidence that he murdered the staffer. Here's the story. May 2001. This is uh, five months into Joe Scarborough's fourth term in Congress. He announces all of a sudden that he's going to resign and he says that he wants to spend more time with his kids. It's kind of a strange excuse. You hear this a lot from politicians who are in scandals because if he wanted to spend more time with his kids, presumably he would have thought about that five months earlier and just not run for a fourth term. Then uh, a couple months later, July 20th, 2001, one of Joe Scarborough's aides, Lori Klausutis, was found dead from a head injury in Joe Scarborough's office in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Then, this is according to Joe Scarborough at the time, allegations spread all over the internet that he was involved, even though it looked as though it was an accident. I, I do want to be clear. There is no evidence that Joe Scarborough murdered his staffer. There were rumors at the time that they were having an affair or all all sorts of stuff. I mean, this is according to Joe Scarborough himself. And Joe Scarborough even joked about this on another MSNBC show hosted by the shock jock, Don Imus. You know, occasionally we're going to try to help you. And you've just, right, Charles, you've got to listen. (laughs) Tell me what I need to do. Well, no, you're doing great. I mean, don't be afraid to be funny. Okay. Because you are funny. Uh, That was a... You know, I asked you why you weren't in Congress. You said you'd had sex with the intern, then you had to kill her. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty risky to say. What are you going to do? So it could be, you can be very good. I mean, I I actually like Keith Elberman, and I like uh, Matthews, and uh, it could work out for you. Well, it's going to be a good lineup. And and the guys at NBC and women at NBC, looks like they're going to stick with us. Okay, so he jokes about it. Here's my take. 
Do I think Joe, Joe Scarborough murdered his staffer? I think, I think the idea that Joe Scarborough murdered his staffer is at least as plausible as the idea that Donald Trump has secretly been a sleeper cell Manchurian candidate for Moscow all along, all these last 40, 50 years that we've known who he is. Here's my take. I think that the idea that Joe Scarborough is a murderer is at least as plausible as the idea that Brett Kavanaugh is a rapist. Here's what I think. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And if the left is going to reshape our politics to now primarily base itself on insane, ridiculous, preposterous, radical personal accusations against people, then, you know, I guess it sure would be a shame if some of those accusations flew back on the left, wouldn't it? Here's my take. I mean, what, what Trump is doing here, even though he's talking about a very serious issue, is actually engaging in a little bit of levity in politics, right? Because the left is saying with a straight face, he's a Manchurian candidate for Moscow. Brett Kavanaugh is a rapist, and they're saying this very seriously. And what Donald Trump does is he goes, he goes, oh yeah, hey, you guys think Joe Scarborough is a murderer? I don't know. I'm not saying anything. It's just a little weird. You think he might be a murderer? He's actually sort of telling a kind of political joke. And then the joke is getting these self-serious leftists to go even more apoplectic. I think that levity is okay in a time where people are way too self-serious in politics and where, where one side gets to level outrageous accusations. But then the minute the other side does anything even remotely resembling that, it's a, a national disgrace. Okay. And I also think that there is nothing virtuous about one side of the political aisle completely unilaterally disarming. I don't think there's any vir anything virtuous about the left being able to use a whole host of tactics and the right having to tie their hands behind their backs. And I in particular don't think that's virtuous because the left is not virtuous. The left is vice. It is vice mobilized in politics. And the right, for all its many flaws, is actually attempting a sort of politics of virtue. And so I don't think it's good for the right to be handicapped and for the left to be able to do whatever they want. There's nothing good about that. And I'm glad that the right is fighting back. But I want the right to fight back smart. I don't want the right to fight back in a way that's going to hurt us in the long run. The, you, you can't expect the left to play nice or fair or even stick to its own rules. It's not going to happen. A great example of this, sort of tangentially related to Joe Biden, comes from Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar, part of the squad, you know, radical leftist freshman congresswoman. Ilhan Omar actually acknowledged that she believes the woman accusing Joe Biden of rape. And yet she's going to vote for Joe Biden anyway. We'll get to that in one second. First, I got to thank our friends over at Rock Auto. You know, when you go to the auto parts store, they never actually have what you want, right? They never have what you need. There's just too many parts out there. Brick and mortar doesn't have it. So what do they do? They go online. They probably go to rockauto.com. They order the part. They charge you twice as much. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, which is basically the whole history of online. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Doesn't make sense. Even I, I don't know anything about cars. 
Even I know. That's a crazy idea. Head on over there. It's so easy to navigate that website. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Then, most importantly, write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they will know that we sent you. That is rockauto.com. Head over there right now. Write Knowles in their How Did You Hear About Us box. So, allegations that Joe Biden is a racist. Allegations that Joe Biden is a rapist. Some people believe the allegations, including Ilhan Omar, who told the Sunday Times of London, quote, I do believe Reed. Justice can be delayed, but should never be denied. And then do you know what she said? She said, believing survivors is consistent with my values. Yes, I endorsed against Biden and I didn't pick him as our nominee. With that said, in this interview I did on May 6th, we talked about that and quotes aren't, aren't always in context. I will vote for him and help him defeat Trump. Two things at the same time. I do believe Reed. I do think Joe Biden is a rapist. That's what that means. I think Joe Biden sexually assaulted that woman and I will vote for him. That's the level of partisan commitment we're talking about. That's, that's what Joe Biden's talking about when he says, if you are even slightly questioning whether you're going to vote for me, you're not black. That's how deep this identity goes, that Ilhan Omar would vote for someone she believes to be a rapist because of how deep that identity goes. You are not merely going to crack that kind of insane identity politics with slightly better arguments or slightly better fine-tuned policy prescriptions about entitlement reform. That ain't going to work, okay? The way that you're going to crack it is by using all of the tools available to you. That includes cultural tools. That includes the mass media. That includes certain policy arguments. That includes shaking things up, okay? The, The old strategy of getting that perfectly precise, totally pure, tie one arm behind your back kind of politics... That, that is not going to work. That has failed. And that is going to continue to fail and it's going to make problems worse. You've got to get creative. A guy like Trump is, is a change agent. He is an agent of chaos in politics. And so with all that creativity and chaos, we've just got to make sure that we set ourselves up well in the long term. You've got to win short-term victories too. Because if you lose too many short-term victories, there isn't any long-term to think about. Speaking of consent, we will get to a wild story out of a local news channel that brings up a lot of these questions about sex and rape culture and, and modern love. But first, I've got to thank you. And I've got to share some very good news. You remember we had a few weeks ago, we had the double Tumblr promo. So you sign up for Daily Wire. You didn't just get one leftist juice Tumblr, which is essential, but you got a second. Do I have, I do have a second. You got a second leftist tears Tumblr these days becoming more and more important. Well, I got good news. The double tumbler is back, but it's only available for our most exclusive membership tier, all access. The all access membership tier is our premier level of membership. You get everything, right? You get more of Ben's show. You get Q and A's, you get exclusive editorial articles, you get an ad free website experience. Could it get any better? Yes, it can. You get two tumblers. Very important. Dailywire.com slash subscribe. Go there right now. Join all access get 15% off with coupon code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. What is it? Dailywire.com slash subscribe, coupon code Knowles, save 15% 
and allow me to save you from drowning. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. So there was a crazy, crazy story uh, over the weekend. And it, it tied in with this, this kind of consent that we're all talking about. I mean, th- just think about the Tara Reid story. Think about how crazy this is. You've got a woman who is, who was on Joe Biden's staff, who is certainly much more credibly accusing Joe Biden than anybody accused Brett Kavanaugh. And you've got some people like Ilhan Omar saying, yeah, I believe her, but I don't care. That is a a keen level of partisanship. You now have the mainstream media. This is a piece in the Associated Press trying to figure out how do we, how do we finesse the Ilhan Omar angle? How do we say, yeah, we believe her because we have to believe all women because that was the position we backed ourselves into, but also we want to keep voting for Joe Biden. The way they're going to do that, it's actually pretty brilliant, is now being shown on the pages of the Associated Press. What they're going to do now is imply that this woman is a victim, imply that she's a little bit crazy, and then conclude that she's not a victim of Joe Biden, but she's still a victim so we can feel sorry for her and take her seriously. That's what they're doing now. They say, quote, Biden accuser's life marred by abuse and financial hardship. One thing is clear in the complicated, sometimes contradictory, and often chaotic chaotic story of Tara Reid. Her life has not been easy. Wow. See what they sandwiched in there? It's complicated and it's chaotic. And then right in the middle, sometimes contradictory. So they don't believe her. They don't believe her, but they want you to know that they take her really seriously, even though her central claim, they don't believe because it's contradictory. They don't like her, but her life's not been easy. She's a victim. Her earliest childhood memory was of being abused by her father. She told her former husband, a man she would later leave after saying he abused her too. Okay, so she got this abuse, but now we're seeing a pattern, right? They're starting, they're starting to question this pattern. She was also a child of big dreams of being an Olympic skier and studying acting at Juilliard before developing an interest in politics. She was hired in 1992 for a low-level staff job for one of the nation's highest profile senators at the time, Joe Biden. Less than a year later, Reid said, she was again the victim of abuse, assaulted by Biden in the hallway of a Senate office building, an allegation he vehemently denies. So is the, is it real or is this fake? The story is not, what the story is suggesting is she's crazy, but she's had a tough life. And then finally at the end, inconsistencies in her accounts have also complicated matters. Defense attorneys are now reviewing whether she may have testified falsely about her education credentials in multiple domestic violence cases. The Monterey County Weekly and the New York Times first reported. Let's be very clear here. There are many fewer inconsistencies in Tara Reid's account than there were in Christine Blasey Ford's account. Christine Blasey Ford couldn't help but contradict herself. She contradicted herself on when the alleged assault by Brett Kavanaugh happened, where it happened, who was at the party where it happened. She contradicted herself about why she installed a door in her home, which she said was related to the alleged assault, though there was no evidence that that ever happened. She contradicted herself about her fear of flying. She contradicted herself about everything. We don't even know if this woman met Brett Kavanaugh. And yet you never saw any articles about the inconsistencies in her story. You're hearing them now about Tara Reid because they, they don't want to deal 
with this issue. They've backed themselves into a corner here. And this, this does tie into, uh, in, in a way, an unrelated story, but the underlying uh, sexual politics is still there. This story out of a local news channel, a girl's being interviewed about coronavirus and why she doesn't wear a mask when she's out at the park. And then out of the blue, some guy walks up and kisses her. And the guy finishes kissing her and she's got butterflies. You know, she's, she's like really enjoyed this kiss and it's a funny little news story and the news plays it all well and good, right? Wrong. I feel as if masks are not a hundred percent important. Um, I feel as if, if sorry, you want to, sorry to interrupt. A spontaneous kiss from someone that she doesn't know. <laughs> oh my God. No, I met him for a second with my dog. That's insane. Are you all right? Yeah, he's so hot. <laughs> Having met just minutes earlier, Jillian McCowan says she's okay with the kiss. Text me! We asked Jack Ring, the man who initiated the kiss, if he's aware of all the risks of kissing a person you don't know during a pandemic. Do you worry about possibly either of you having that, contracting, passing it, anything? Oh, uh, not that not you just said it right now, but yeah, I, I probably do right now. But I think the kiss is worth it. <laughs> what a great story. What a great, amid all this stupid political news, what a great story, which is, I guess these two had met when they were walking their dogs, probably flirted a little bit. Then she's being interviewed on camera, and this guy thinks it would be kind of funny and flirtatious to walk up, and while she's on camera, give her a kiss. And then it's this great moment when he pulls away. She looks like she is just floating on a cloud. She's so, and she's giggling about it, right? A friend of mine tweeted out this video. She said, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a, and then just that clip, right? That's the, that's the old line from the feminists in Gloria Steinem. Women don't need, need men. And then you fast, fast forward to this. And this woman's like gaga over this guy kissing her, right? So whatever, a sweet story. She walks away. She goes, text me. That was, that was fun, right? Do you know that we now live in such a clinical, sterile, humorless culture that the news channel that aired that segment, a segment that was so charming, I thought it was fake and staged, they ended up having to apologize because according to this news channel, what they just aired was basically tantamount to rape. A follow-up on a story that aired last night on CTV News at 11.30. In a story on social distancing, we included an interview with a woman in a park. During the interview, a stranger came up to the woman and kissed her directly on the lips. Our story then focused on the dangers of kissing a stranger on the lips during a pandemic. It was wrong to air this video. The video demonstrated non-consensual behavior and downplayed the fact that what occurred was simply unacceptable and offensive. It does not meet CTV News editorial standards, and we apologize. Oh my gosh. This is exactly what we were talking about at the top of the show. This is, this is exactly what we're talking about on the racist, rapist, all the kind of hysterical claims. This is what ideologues do. They have their ideas and then there's reality. And when their ideas contradict reality, the ideas have to win. The ideas have to clobber reality. Would anybody look at that video? Would anybody look at that interview and say, that guy raped that girl, the guy who kissed the girl on camera, he raped her? No. Least of all, the woman. <laughs> the woman was the one who said, text me. Thanks for that kiss. 
it, it ties in, you know, there's a statistic that goes around college campuses that one in five or even one in four, some say women are raped on college campus. Meaning that Harvard Yard is more dangerous for women than downtown Fallujah, right? That obviously isn't true. One of the places that that number comes from is a survey that was sent out. It was conducted by activist feminists to get ascertain what happened in people's sexual lives and concluded that one in five or one in four women on college campuses have been raped. Even though the women themselves did not think that they were raped. So the, the women who this actually happened to disputed the ideologues interpretation of their situation, but the ideologues always have to win. Likewise, consider the other side of this. If Joe Biden actually did what he's being accused of, I'm not saying he is. I don't know that I believe this woman, but Ilhan Omar says she does believe this woman. And what this woman said is that Joe Biden sexually assaulted her. Even according to that description, Joe Biden can't really be a rapist and therefore Ilhan Omar could endorse him for president because Joe Biden is a Democrat. And de look, Democrats just don't do that sort of thing. Left-wingers, look, that's the sort of thing that milquetoast federal judges like Brett Kavanaugh do, but not good Democrats like Joe Biden. Same thing with the racism. Did Joe Biden do a racism? Did he make a racist comment on that show where he said, if you don't know if you're going to vote for me, then you ain't black? I guess, but you know, certainly by the left standards, that would be considered racist. But it can't be racist if Joe Biden does it because he's a Democrat. If you're a black person and you vote for Donald Trump, are you still a black person? Yes, of course. In reality, that's true, but not according to the ideology. And for the left, when the ideology and the reality come into conflict, the ideology has got to win. I mean, consider, consider that famous uh, photograph from World War II, you know, at VJ Day, Victory Over Japan Day, when the sailor comes back and they're in Times Square and he dips that nurse and they're kissing. This is one of the classic photographs ever taken, so embodies the spirit of the country. And for at least 60 years after, probably 65 years after that photo was taken, it was considered this wonderful moment of relief, of love, of victory, right? But then starting about 10 years ago, people started to reinterpret that image and say that was an image of rape, of sexual assault, Seriously, that's, that's how this is discussed among the left. Would anybody look at the image of the sailor kissing the nurse and say that's rape? No, of course not. But according to the ideology, it is. And so they have to deny the physical reality and go with the ideology. You see this not just in the realm of our sex politics. You see this even when it comes to something like coronavirus. New York Times publishes a incredibly demagogic, emotionally manipulative piece over the weekend. But you know, hey, that's the New York Times. This is an editorial. It's, it's, I mean, I guess it's a technically a news story. Really, it's an editorial, though. It's signed by the New York Times called An Incalculable Loss, talking about the victims of coronavirus. America is fast approaching a grim milestone in the coronavirus outbreak. Each figure here represents one of the nearly 100,000 lives lost so far, but account only reveals so much. Memories gathered from obituaries across the country help us to reckon with what was lost. So just from the very beginning, the headline is not true, right? Because what the headline is saying is that the loss is incalculable. And then they immediately give you the calculation. They say it's about 100,000 people. And then they list all of these people in the article. 
So it is calculable. Now, I guess the point they would say is, well, you can't possibly calculate the value of a human life. Yeah, of course, that's, I, I certainly agree with that. But then, then no calculation involving anything in the social sciences is possibly useful, right? Because I guess the only calculations that you could then really calculate would be purely abstract ones like mathematics. But the minute you bring a human being into it, then it's incalculable according to the New York Times. Or it's calculable and they're just being demagogues. Sure, you could say, there's no way to quantify a human life. Yeah, I agree. But we still have statistics, right? We still have death statistics, crime statistics, health statistics. So we do calculate them in some way. But they're trying to prime you up for this emotional manipulation. Then they just start listing people, right? So they'll say, auditor in Silicon Valley, Patricia Dowd, 57. I'll say a little bit about her. Great grandmother with an easy laugh. Marion Kruger, 85, Kirkland, Washington. It's really sad, right? You're just talking about people... Who, who died. And you'll see all the various people there. Then you get to the sixth name on the list, just number six. Jordan Driver Haynes, 27 of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. See, 27, not a lot of 27-year-olds die from coronavirus. Do a little quick little Google search. Turns out he didn't die from coronavirus. He was murdered. But now in our kind of quirky calculations of this virus where the numbers keep changing. Sometimes they go down, sometimes they go up. Sometimes the criteria get a little bit different. Sometimes thousands of people who weren't even tested for the virus are just added to the death roll. Number six on the New York Times emotional manipulation list was just murdered. It's just as sad to be murdered, but it's not coronavirus. An autopsy has ruled the death of Jordan Haynes a homicide. His body was found in a vehicle in a wooded area off of I-380 on March 12th. Details regarding the homicide aren't being released. The journalist, who I don't know who put this one together because it's just signed by the New York Times, they just Googled COVID-19 or coronavirus or something like that. And then because in this guy's obituary, it said that his funeral services were delayed because of COVID-19. She just added him to the list. How many people is that being done for? How many, I mean, in one day in New York, they added, I think, 3,700 people to the death count who never tested positive for coronavirus. Did they die from coronavirus? Maybe. I don't know. But the people who added their names to the list don't know either. But this is the trouble. We were told, according to the main model that that shut down the entire world, that 2.4 million Americans were going to die from coronavirus. Remember? And that that didn't happen. Good. Thank God. I'm so pleased that didn't happen. But it wasn't like it was 2.4, then it was 2 million or one and a half million, or one million, or 500,000. Now the numbers have been way reduced. I think now we're at about, as the New York Times says, about 100,000 deaths. So even if it's 200,000 deaths, even if it's twice as much as we see now, which seems unlikely, that's still, that's an over an order of magnitude less than they initially told us. So they've got to build and build and build. They've got to craft the narrative, even when it contradicts the facts. And they will do this on any issue from race to rape, to murder, to pandemics, to anything. We have got to fight against that. That is an irrational way to conduct your politics. Fine. The the solution to that is not going to be giving the slightly more honed in arguments. Oh, if we just improve our argument by 2%, then finally we'll, we'll win back the culture. No. We're fighting a much more difficult adversary. We have got to be creative in that as well. We've got to use all the tools at our disposal. Sometimes that's levity. Sometimes that's 
history. Sometimes that's humor. Sometimes that's a personal attack. Sometimes you got to do that. That is what is at our disposal. We've just got to make sure that we don't back ourselves into a corner, even while we start fighting. A lot, big lesson of the Trump era is to free ourselves up, use the tactics at our disposal. That's going to be chaotic. That's going to be a little bit crazy. But uh, if uh, the, the only way that we're possibly going to win is if we untether ourselves and start to in- engage with the reality of the political situation. Because if we don't, if we continue to live in this abstract idea that we have of politics as it really is not, then frankly, we're doing exactly the same thing that the left does. All right, that's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Joe Biden says if you're not sure whether to vote for him or Trump, you ain't black. So I am sure. Does that mean I am black? We'll be asking that and all the important questions on The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven.